Welcome to Vino Week, episode 25, brought to you by Vino 101. All right, I'm Phil. Hello, everybody, Al. Here we are, ready to uh, talk about uh, a week's worth of what's happening in the wine world. Yes, welcome to Vino Week. Oh, boy. A lot been going on. We, we, I think we missed a week or two, but... Yes, <laughs> well, you know, the, the holidays are... Uh, well, on us. Yeah, the holidays are upon us, and the run-up run up took some time. Yeah, I went to uh, went. I've waxed been to several holiday parties, and I was at one last night. And boy, the wine was flowing. <laughs> good wine, lots of good wines. Had a really good bottle, um, good bottle of Pinot Noir from uh, Mary Mary Edwards. Oh yeah, yeah, two thousand nine. It was uh, very very nice. From uh, forget, forget the ranch that it was. Yeah, on. I was going to ask what what. Uh... <clears throat> I knew you were going to ask, so let me look it up right now while we're talking and see if I can find it for you. I had a, uh, I opened a friend's rosé last night. Ah, okay. How's that? Rosé. It was really good. Friends so, rosé. I mean, it 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 definitely uh, not friends, but a friend had made it. Oh, okay, um, gotcha, gotcha. So it was sort of you know private wine, and um, it was. Uh, it's held up surprisingly well, although you know the person that made it has an analytical chemistry background, so you know that helps in the process. Gotcha, gotcha. Hey, that Marier was that, that was a, a Klopp Ranch. Klopp Ranch, huh? K L O P P. Yeah, I never had anything from there, but that it was. Uh, it went quickly. It's like get a glass quickly. <laughs> there are wines like that at parties. So, you know, I go to my neighbor's party, right? And you're scoping, you're always scoping out the wine. What did anybody bring? It's like Trader Joe's, Trader Joe's. Not that that's a bad place to buy wine. Yep. Um, But you're looking for that bottle that's like, huh? Um, Yeah. We also had a a pretty nice Cabernet from uh, the 2011 vintage. You know, 2011 got... Yeah, it wasn't. Got, it was, got kind of panned, but you know, if if you you know, you got to be kind of choosy, obviously, in that year. But if uh, I'm finding that grapes that are grown on the mountains uh, fared much better than the ones in the valley. Oh, interesting. So there's your uh, there's your wine hint. There's a tip. So, should we start with the? Um, it looks like we're back into wine malfeasance. <laughs> I just, I, you know, we we're we're going to be coming up on doing this at, for a while. And, you know, it's just, um, I guess it's just day care that's always somebody's, there's always hustlers and swindlers out there. Somebody's always got their hand in the cookie jar. <laughs> but there's a, the, the article Al's referring to is in the Wine Spectator, which headlines, um, it looks like it's in their unfiltered section. It says, Rudy K's fake wines get the death penalty. Oh, what a great title. It is. And, uh. There's a photo courtesy of um, U.S. Marshals of the of the wines being destroyed. Got this huge magnet. Yeah, it looks like a <laughs> down a junkyard. All this <laughs> shattered glass. Um, but you know, it's um, federal. You know, federal three judge panel. I mean, the, there's some heavy weight coming down on this guy. Indeed. Um, there's a video, by the way, folks. Also, if you if check out the link, if you want to see it actually happen, there's a little 30 second video yeah. of the the marshals destroying the wine. But, but uh, it, yeah, go ahead. 
they sold this is the wine what they did was the guy had a huge cache of wine so they had to ferret out what was real and what was fake and this is the wine that they deemed it was fake and actually just recently they had a couple of auctions where they sold off what they figured was the real wine well there's therein lies the rub and and stories to continue so, but they made a they made a fairly good amount of money. We're talking millions of dollars on some of the wine that the government sold to private citizens. <laughs> Can I see the government for fraud now? <laughs> I didn't say that. No, but I did. <laughs> and I don't have any Ruby's wine. Don't don't don't. I'm just I'm being completely facetious and choking here. But oh man. Um, what a mess! I, the 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 other interesting thing about the article is it kind of goes into what what's happening and where the wine will be disposed. So, um, it, it's quite interesting. And the other thing we know <clears throat> that we've learned about Rudy, right, is it sounds like the guy was a pretty good blender. Yeah, he he had it down. He uh, he did this for years. So I mean, there's there's got to be just countless countless bottles of of fake wine that right. people have paid just ridiculous unbuilt for yeah it's so i mean in that regard you know i i don't know if i would be buying any of those older vintages i mean you did you just really can't count on them at at this point i mean it's different than say it was say 30 years ago if you had a bottle of 1945 uh, chateau mouton rose shield you know i'd be fairly confident that that was a real bottle whereas today uh uh, not so much yeah i mean it's it's really um it's sketchy. Plus, the other thing, you know, if you test some of this stuff, it sounded like he would take, you know, uh, actually get a hold, in some instances, get a hold of an, uh, of an old vintage bottle and then use that to, you know, essentially mix it with other things and make more. Yeah. So, yeah, you, would. you know, if you do any kind of like DNA testing or, you know, um, you know, basically, or, you know, um, use a mass spec, mass spectrometer device to kind of see what's in it uh you might come up with like oh you know there's actually the wine that he says is in that bottle is in there it's just in there you know there's like a teaspoon of it in there or something you know which is evidently i believe from a, a testing standpoint hard to detect like the yeah, quantity, the, like you'll know it's there but in what quantity and if the, the, to get the quantity information i believe is really hard or costly i should say yeah, some of these bottles are probably, you know, some of them are, are bought, they're bought to be like bought and traded. So, you know, one guy. It's, like a, it's a commodity, right? It's like, you know, yeah. trading corn, but on a much different, a different sort of scale and a different, you know, obviously different pricing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I believe they were probably pursuing him and, uh, well, he, I, the, the way he got called out eventually was he was making wines he got sloppy and he made wines and they were up for auction wines that were actually never made by the winery so you know if he hadn't have done that he'd still be out you know mixing and blending <laughs> but he just he produced something and presented it that had never actually been manufactured so that's how he got caught and uh that just goes to show you that you know, it's very difficult to tell, you know, really what's in the bottle. And it just shows you the prominence. 
the, the provenance of, of the wine is pretty important. That's why, you know, a lot of times, you know, I, I'm not, I don't roll in that circle, but I do place a value on wines that, that come, you know, quote unquote, directly from, you know, the, directly from the bottler, directly from the chateau. Cause you know, if I buy Bordeaux, a lot of times you'll, you'll hear, oh yeah, this is a, a second release or whatever. And it's direct from the chateau. It does carry a lot of weight because you really don't know where a bottle's gone once it leaves the chateau. It, I mean, it could go anywhere. And uh, if you look in China, there's fraud is rampant. So, you know, there's yeah, a lot of. I, you know, if you're going to collect in that stuff, I think what you're saying makes sense. I mean, if you're not buying it directly from the people that make it, then you're really you're taking a pretty big risk. So the guy that owns uh, Dragon Eight Auctions, Limper Swartz, he's got his. Uh, he's pretty. Uh, he's feeling disrespected right now, wouldn't you say, Bill? <laughs> yeah. So this is another. Uh, we had, I, on the last on the last um, edition of the show, we talked about Dragon Eight and it being. Uh, so we also talked about Marie Towney, who helps identify counterfeit wine, and there, there, she was. I believe she was involved in sort of you know calling these guys out that there was some suspect um, lots in one of their auctions. I believe their first auction. Yes. And, you know, they removed, it looks like they removed some. But anyway, the, the, you know, the, their Dragon 8 and, and Gil uh, are firing back saying this is just, you know, a bunch of lies. And he has some pretty choice words about what, you know, what he's being accused of. But Well, I'll, I'll give one of Downey's quotes, which is pretty amazing. Or, or he claims that Downey told Master Sommier, uh, Ron Mumford, that Limpert Swartz is a quote criminal and should be in prison with his cohorts. Unquote. That's pretty strong. Yeah, that's that's really really strong. So he's uh, he's filing a claim against her, saying that she's uh, defaming his business and his name, and uh, they're definitely going to do the one two. Uh, Downey saying, "Bring it on." I got all my facts together. I'm ready to take it on. Right. So we'll be hearing more about this in the future. It's interesting to note that they did take, like I believe we talked about this before, they took a, a significant number of lots off of the auction table and returned them to their <clears throat> rifle owners, so to speak. So, you know, if, if, you're, if stuff isn't fake, then why are you removing it from, you know, the auction? That's, That'd be my take. Right. <laughs> That's the way I'd look at it. I would just say, you don't know what you're talking about and just go about business. So uh, the wine world uh, just keeps going on. Uh, the, the craziness continues. And uh, well, and, uh, you know, the sort of, um, uh, you know, it's just it's, it's never ending. I think I think that's what we're we're going to rapidly come to the conclusion. There'll be a new. It'll be interesting to see if there'll be another fraudster on the order of Rudy. Yeah. Well, there's, there's definitely probably smaller fraudsters out, out there. It's like the Bernie Madoff thing. Everyone uh, thinks about Bernie Madoff and they think, oh, okay, it, there's a tendency to think that that's the one person that was doing it. But, you know, I'm, I'm telling you, I've known people that have been burned by Bernie Madoff knockoffs. 
I mean, they're everywhere. Yeah, in, in, even in our local area, you know, there's been multiple, just, you know, there's multiple cases like this coming up all the time, which is just always amazing to me. But anyway. Yeah. I don't, early on in a, a career that I, I used to, tr- I used to work in securities. I worked with the guy that just got out of prison. Wow. <laughs> that was oh, a made no. off guy. Oh, wow. <laughs> Talk wow. about close to home. Yeah. Wow. That's a, <laughs> it could be a sweaty palm moment. <laughs> you know, it's like oh man call i got from a friend of mine one day that you know he's like the uh, sec's here they just took my computer oh, like oh good luck man i'm hanging up now wow yeah yeah he did not go to prison uh, that's good. So, it's, so um, good uh, what kind of dovetails with this? Or I guess it doesn't. Well, dovetail. speaking of the law, yes, there we go. The long speaking arm of the, the law, law. It looks like New York State was getting ready to kind of nip the, you know, nip the uh, powers of their state liquor authority. Yeah, the 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 state liquor authorities uh, actually went after uh, one of the. Empire Wine, which is a, a big, big retailer, and their uh, their lawsuit against them was that uh, the state liquor authority can't tell them where to ship wine. Right. You know, because basically what they were doing was, you know, without all the legalese, is they're shipping wine to places where it's not legal to ship wine, but the state is trying to 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 stop them from doing it. Whereas the States where they're shipping it to where they shouldn't be shipping are like, they're fine with it. Right. <laughs> so it's like, what's the big deal? They're technically, they're breaking the law by doing what they're doing, but nobody is complaining except the distributors that are in New York because they don't want them selling the product. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah, huh? It's just, it, it's just a bunch of wealthy people moving money around. <laughs> So they so they've got uh, into a big uh, brouhaha, and um, actually the Empire Wine has done a pretty good job of running us through the legislature, and they've got it up to the point where it's actually made it to um, Governor Cuomo's desk, to where uh, they were going to pretty much squelch the power of the state liquor authority, and all the governor had to do was uh, put his uh, John Hancock. Yep. And what happened, Bill? Uh, he vetoed the bill. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Um, yeah. Everything was smooth. Uh, was sailing along so smoothly. <laughs> yes, as the governor said, it would have rendered New York a pirate state intent on breaking other states' laws. Uh, we can't have that, can we? Clearly not. Oh man, and that's How, that's ha- the key word, intent. Yes. However, they. Uh, the empire's not done. They're, no, they're, they're, they're not done. They're not done. They're, there's this is there's going to be a fight. This is millionaires fighting over uh, baskets of money. That's yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, and I guess there, you know, there is some. There, you know, it's a, it is no illusion here. It's about the money. There's also some principle at work of, um, and this is how we hash these things out in terms of what regular how much how much our government can reach into the business and dictate its operations. Yeah. It's uh, so, it, I mean, it's kind of boring, I think probably for our audience, but I, I do find it, it's, it's, 
if you read the details and look at it, it is pretty interesting how things work. So it's basically big wholesalers battling, you know, big wholesalers. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's that's what's going on, and or excuse me, big wholesalers battling large retailers. Retailers, and that's, and it's really coming down to you know is the is that art? It's an artificial system, in my opinion. An artificial meaning the government set this up and says that the way that wine has to be sold has to follow through these distribution tiers. Um, which ultimately causes the price of the wine to go up. Yeah, the more hands it touches, every time it touches and lands in one warehouse, they tack on 30%, so, you know, or thereabouts. As a rational consumer, you would definitely be on the side of the retailer trying to take this structure down. Because ultimately, it's going gonna, it's gonna to re- result in lower prices. Yeah, and, and it's it's also you know wine when it's when it's sold online in that regard, uh, you know the the taxes you know there's a little bit of a hole for the taxes. Yeah. So for instance, if you buy if if I buy a wine from Oregon, I don't pay tax on that wine. You know, all I do is pay for the shipping. Now, you know, truth be known, it probably you know it it probably equals out in the wash as far as what I as a consumer pay. But that tax revenue is is still it's well the, you know, yeah the state wants to capture that money yeah it's skewed yeah so that's kind of that's another reason why this is you know, you're talking large amounts of money when you're talking about moving stuff around and it's not just wine it's what it's other stuff it's like everything everything yeah. everything has to go through some you know I I shouldn't say everything but most things most things are not sold direct to consumer they usually go into a retail channel. You know, the, and the internet is changing some of that um, somewhat, but it's still, you know, manufactured to um, a retailer and there's there might be a distributor in there somewhere who's holding, you know, storing it until it gets shipped. But that isn't always the case anymore. Um, yeah, which is why, you know, we can, you know, you can go buy, you know, I mean, think about what you can buy these days relative to 20, 30 years ago. Just in yes. terms of availability, is pretty big. Yeah, it's 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 mind boggling. You know, you get on the internet, you can just basically find any wine. <laughs> yeah, and, just, and it can be at your home fairly quickly. Yeah, Amazon delivers in uh, in New York proper. I think they little, they have a two hour have a two, uh, service. Yeah, they're using that. They're they're <laughs> using that. Amazon. I think it's called Amazon. Yeah, I, they have a name for that service, but it's pretty I can't awesome. Remember. Yeah, you know, if you're, yeah, it is, it is, it very much is. So speaking of uh, continuing buying wine online, yes, we've got Premier Crew wines. The saga continues. Yeah, that just and reported on by two different um, media outlets. So, see, including CNBC. Oh boy, he's made the big time now. Yeah. Yeah, so, I'm sure that the, the owner John Fox is like, oh boy, this is great for business. Well, I, you know, he's definitely getting a lot of attention, and if he isn't running a, he's they're basically accusing him of running a pyramid scheme. <clears throat> um, and, yeah, uh, I, I, and he's got uh, he's got ten lawsuits. <laughs> yeah, he's got uh, mean, he's got a lot of lawsuits, and uh, this this latest article is um, he's switching his store from. You used to be able to walk into his store and you could, you know, walk around, look at the wines and make your purchases there. It's like a regular retail outlet. 
he has shuttered the doors and is switching his format for sales to online only, which is, you know, that's his business. He can do whatever he wants. But when you call the office now, uh, you get a recording and it says, um, due to high volumes of calls, we are unable to answer the phones right now. <laughs> we are currently transitioning to online sales only. Wow. So he's obviously turtling at this moment. And uh, that's not a good sign. The business is up for sale. Uh, he's closing the doors for people to walk in. Um, he's under a lot of pressure. And uh, with all these lawsuits pending, um, I don't, it, does, it just doesn't really look good for his business, unfortunately. And I believe he also owes, I think he owes the, the county of Alameda a, almost a quarter million dollars in taxes. Um, so, eh. well, it's unclear, you know, I mean, uh, I mean, some of the, I mean, I, I'm sure there was some speculation in, in there and maybe he was trying to do some arbitrage, you know, saying, Hey, I'll get you this wine and, you know, hoping he, you know, taking a risk that he might actually get an allocation that he didn't. I mean, who knows? Hopefully it's all going to get washed out in court though. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's it's it seems like to me this is one of those things. I'd say it's probably highly likely that some of these people that are suing him at the at the least, there's a really good chance that they're not going to get the wines that they requested. Right. And, you know, and the money's probably gone. Yeah, there's going to be some some substantial discount on what on what they put in. And that's unfortunate because uh, this was a pretty high profile business. Um, and this guy dealt in some, you know, he dealt in some pretty fine wines and has been in business for, for quite some time. So I'm not sure what happened, but, uh, it's pretty sad. Yeah. And he's sticking to his story, right? That, you know, it takes a long time for these things to deliver. Ah, that's, uh, that's hogwash. Um, well, I mean that, but this is his, you know, this is his story. Yeah. Um, and, and again, maybe he was sort of trying to play that. You know, yeah. I mean, he's, it's, a, it's a pretty, it's a pretty easy thing. Okay, if you're buying a future, you plunk down your money, and it's like, all right, this wine's going to be here, and uh, your wine's going to be here in 19 months. They know how, you know, the wine's already when you buy it, it's already been in the barrel, it's already been tasted uh, by uh, wine experts, and they've already declared it's of a certain quality. Um, it's going to rest in barrel for X number of years, and then it's going to be in a bottle, and you already know when it's going to be shipped. I mean, there's no mystery to this. And uh, that's the premise under which he sold the wine. So the fact that he doesn't have the wine uh, means that he didn't question (laughs) the wine. He he didn't use the monies to, to, you know, to hold those wines, obviously. Yeah. yeah. You know, using the monies to buy other things. I mean, the rub is he was trying to stretch his dollar and he got caught. Yeah. Um, So. And, you know, if you if you bought wine like a year and a half ago, I mean, you, you're not going to be able to call Visa and say, hey, I didn't get my wine. I want my money back. That's <laughs> not going to well, happen. I mean, that's that's it. Right. I mean, that's the real rub. Yeah, that's a real rub. So uh, where do we go from here? Um, well, I mean, continuing to talk about legal dramas, um, the uh, Truett Hearst. Oh, yeah. Um, implosion is uh, kind of being played out in public 
Um, and it's, uh, I, it's sort of a, I, this is another thing that looks, this sort of meta story here, in my opinion is this is, uh, an idea that looks really good, um, in theory and on paper, but to execute, you know, is not as easy as it might be. And really what it is, is, you know, Truett Hurst was essentially um, aggregating all that, not aggregating, but uh, aggregating from a corporate structure, all these brands and saying, hey, you know, the sales and marketing pieces, you know, there's uh, said another way, there's a bunch of operations in a winery that can be centralized and that you'll get economies of scale there and that you can make by the cost savings, you'll increase your profits. Yep. Um, and you know, uh, you know, it, I, a lot of these wineries are small businesses. There's just some, like the operations of actually making the wine. I would feel really, <clears throat> what I know about it right now, I'd feel really uncomfortable going into a winery and saying, Hey, your winemaking process, this is how you're going to store this. second you're going to label things, you know, your like, you know, the operations in your barrel room. And like, I don't know if they went down to that level, but that would be really, I think that would be really hard to do. I also think that you need somebody who understands the brand. I mean, you know, marketers who work in companies have a thorough sort of, you know, it, it, an idea of like the messaging that goes along with the brand. So, you know, I don't know how much you can actually, you know, the tool sets that the marketers use, especially with online and all that stuff. And I probably some of the back office operations can be done, but regardless, this whole thing is just, it, it didn't work for whatever reason. Um, yeah, it didn't work. The money got tight. And it, 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 and I think they made, they made some pretty hefty acquisitions if I remember. Yeah, they did. They were making acquisitions and, you know, trying to get more stuff under their umbrella. And at the same time, they were kind of, uh, what's the nice way of putting this, not paying people that were helping them, you know, you know, do their business i.e. the people that own the property where they're making their wines. They were, you know, not paying the rent. Yeah. Uh, I know they got into a big uh, brouhaha a few years ago with the winemaker who was Paul Dolan. And that was that went in, that was in court for a while. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, when the money got tight, everyone started, you yeah, know, they, which is pretty typical for a business, right? Money gets tight, yeah. so you figure out who's got the biggest pockets, and you start slowing down paying them. Yes, I mean that's just or that's, the big or you know you don't have the cash flow to plunk down on a you know ten you know you know thirty forty fifty thousand dollar bill. And you know they're you know the thinking is is like well you know they can wait another three months, and you know that's a risky game to play. <clears throat> and money, you know, the other interesting thing here that's not being talked about back in the day when things like that happened, you could go to your local bank and get a short term loan to handle your cash flow. Yep. And the bank knew that, you know, the bank knew your books. So you could walk into the bank and say, hey, look, you know, I have accounts receivable of this value. I got to pay this bill right now. I don't have the cash. Give me the cash. It's um, awesome. And it doesn't. That those days are gone. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of, uh, that's a really interesting point. You know, uh, back in the day, I, I owned a couple businesses and, you know, the, the, I, I never really thought about it. But the idea that, you know, I could go in and just, you know, say, hey, here's what I need. 
and they just give you, you know, X thousands of dollars with just your signature. <laughs> it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, but that was the value of, you know, I have uh, experience with family business and I've, I've seen multi-million dollar deals, loan deals done over a handshake at yep. a restaurant at night. No joke. Yeah, I believe um, yeah. And, you know, it was a very intimate relationship between the players um, and a long time, like family generations, right? Yep. And and this is the like we do get lower costs for a lot of things today because of this sort of consolidation and aggregation, but we have lost that sort of interrelationship, um, which are pros and cons to all of this. But you know there are a lot of people that are wrapped up in this thing, and a lot of businesses that are, may not come out on the other side of it of the dispute like this Truett Hurst thing it, surviving, which is horrible. Yeah, they 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 put a lot into that. Remember that Paperboy uh, brand they had? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's you know, that, and there's people's I mean, jobs on the end of this thing. That yeah, you know. just to, just to echo your, you know, to drive it home what you just said. That company uh, that made those made that Paperboy made the packaging. They went out of business <laughs> because yeah. they had you know they had a significant amount of money invested in you know manufacturing the products for them. So yeah. that uh, that manufacturer filed for bank. They're not out of business, but they did file for bankruptcy. Right. And I can't remember the last time I've seen the Paperboy wines on the shelves. Uh, I think they had to. Yeah, have you seen them? No, no. I know they had to. Um, they didn't sell very well for one. The, the wines are decent. They weren't. I, I think the price point on them was higher than what they were worth. They were going on the gimmick. And um, the shelf life was really, really short on those wines, and they ended up having to just basically destroy a lot of it. Jeez. Yeah. And uh, so that's kind of it, it's it's really it's it's really sad to see something like this happen. But what it what it underscores is that there's a lot of people in the wine industry that are doing well, and there's there are some people that aren't doing well. Yeah. You know, it's not all super rosy. No, and it's you know I I, I think the you know it, it's it's a tough business. Yes, and it's tough because the there are a lot of more so than other businesses. I believe there are a lot of factors that are out of your control. I mean, you can't control the weather. You can't control the grapes you're going to get. Uh, you know, the grape quality you're going to get. The winemaking process can go south, and that's just getting a product made. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you got to bottle that thing. You got to label it. You got to get it into a channel. You, you, you know, gotta, you got to sell. You got to um, sell it. That's you, the you yeah. know. I mean, it's you got to run a tasting room. I mean, yeah. it's like you know, um, it, it's not you know. You're better off going into the restaurant business. <laughs> oh my God, that's you know, that's <laughs> don't do that. Don't do it. Well, I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're gonna work like a dog anyway. Um, you know, it, it, uh, nothing against people in the restaurant business. Oh no. Well, Hey, look, you know, the, uh, the one thing to know about the restaurant business is if you look at that business is it has the highest failure rate of any business out there. It, it also has the highest ROI if you hit it. Yeah. You hit it right. So if you hit it right and if you look around, you'll see these, these restaurant companies that started out with one restaurant and, you know. 10 to 20 years later, they have multiple restaurants. 
So they figured out how to sort of to this true, sort of the point of this true, uh, sort of to the point of the structure of true at Hearst. If you learn how to operate a restaurant, you can clone those operational disciplines to other restaurants via McDonald's. Yep. Or and I don't necessarily know that it's all about the same, but it's a lot about you know the type of people you hire and how you keep your books and how you deal with your suppliers. Like you can get economies of scale. Yes, um, if like you can. the start the Starks. The, the Starks in, uh, in in Sonoma County here, they own a number of restaurants, all of them successful. Yeah, um, all different uh, different uh, venues. Yep, different kinds uh, of cuisines, yeah, different types of – I mean, they're literally different experience to go in those restaurants, but they know how to operate a restaurant. Yep, they got um, it down. Yep, and there, there are companies like that in every town of any size. So it uh, it'll be interesting to see if somebody tries to do this again. You know, it's sort of this concept of, hey, we're going to run this startup kind of company. We're going to bring these brands together. Um, I can't remember the – there was a startup a, a number of years ago in the wine thing where, you know, people could come up and make their wine or they could store their wine. Yeah, those I, didn't I – uh, That all blew up. So Yeah, those didn't go over so well. Um, you know, I don't know if you're going to – think you're going to make a ton of money. The wine they, they, they they work on the high end, the really really super uber high end, but but not for your average Joe. So, now you know there's one company that uh, knows what they're doing uh, when it comes to uh, branding and making wine, and uh, it's uh, the world's largest winery has made yet another acquisition. They've been on fire this year. Ernest and Julio Gallo. Yeah, have purchased the ranch winery in St. Helena. So uh, they are building, they're just like, uh, I mean, I, you'd think they'd be done after buying uh, uh, the Asti winery, <laughs> but no, they want more. So they, you just bought, um, they just bought this winery in St. Helena. It's off of, uh, it's, God, what road is it on? It's it's kind of in the interior valley. So they, they're, they're making their presence known in Napa Valley and buffing it up. Um, Gallo already owns Martini Winery uh, and William Hill in um, Napa Valley. And uh, there seems like they're making a push, even a greater and stronger push for the premium wine category. And uh, so they've uh, – what, what, what else did they buy recently? They bought Jay Vineyard and Winery, yeah. what, like three or four months ago? Yeah. Also. Um, they bought Asti, Jay um, – and Asti's the largest. Uh, um, that's yeah. the largest, one of the largest production facilities in the county. Um, they also bought Souverain. Souverain. Uh, they brought the Souverain uh, Souverain brand. Um, brand. And, a yeah. and, a, and this article says a, a Monterey County winery. Yeah, so they're you know a premium five hundred twenty-five acres of highly regarded vineyard. So you know they're that's they're scaling up. Yeah, they're buying – not only are they buying vineyard land, but they're also buying um, uh, facility capacity, which is – you know, I mean it's it's great if you have all this all this land and you have all these grapes, but you got to squeeze it somewhere. So um, what they're doing is they're buying – you know, this facility – this is a big custom crush facility. Yeah. So they've and got a 45-ton capacity in Napa County right now. Yeah. That's 4.6 million cases. And what's really interesting to note about this whole thing wow. is – that now the environment, the way it is, you can't build a winery without a whole bunch of hurdles. 
you know, you got the you got the environmental impact. You got the communities. I don't want this in my backyard. Well, certainly, well, we're, just, you can't just go buy it. Yeah, go buy a winery. Yeah, you can't where these guys are located. There's yeah. no way you could build a facility the size of the Asti Winery now anywhere in the county, except yeah. I, I mean anywhere rem- as remote as that is. Maybe yeah, you could you, in Santa Rosa or Windsor, um, but then you got to truck all that stuff down there. Yeah. So, and then, and that's really a good point. You want, if you're trying to make really good wines, you want the facility to be reasonably close to where the grapes are going to be pulled off the vines. You know, you don't want to, you know, you cut down on the cost of uh, transporting around and also the quality goes up the closer it is to the, the state. So, uh, Gallo's, uh, making a run, man. That's great. <laughs> They're making a run. More wines for Gallo. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> Good for them. Good for them. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap up with a couple of things. What do you got in mind? And on a lighter note. Um, well, I like the, uh, I, the grape collected did a post titled wine in biblical proportions. Oh yeah, yeah. The uh, uh, I, I I love that. That's kind of a geeky thing, but people. No, use- I, it's I think it's great. And what I really like is they they did it with uh, Moet and Chandon bottles. Yeah, um, <laughs> which go down from a quarter bottle all the way up to uh, the Nebuchadnezzar, which is twenty bottles. Yeah, that's I could. A- I, I would like it would be a real kick to uh, open a fifteen liter bottle of Moet and Chandon. Yeah, the biggest bottle that I've ever opened was a Methuselah, and that's that's eight bottles in one, and that's a pretty yeah that's a pretty heavy it's a heavy bottle to pour it's difficult to pour out of it. I'll say that. That's a big bottle. That is a big bottle. That's six liters. Yeah, it's eight. It's the equivalent of eight standard bottles. Yeah, and they, so. it goes up to the equivalent of forty standard bottles. Um, oh man, which is called a Midas, and a, another word that's uh, Mela Chizezek. Uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm not saying that right. That's easy for you to say. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, I'll just YouTube that thing and it'll play it for me. Um, <laughs> that is the name of the King of Jerusalem. Um, so for those of you who who may may help know. Um, yeah, all of these. This is good trivia. So if you're at a party and you take a big is, bottle. You can always kind of, oh, yeah, this is, uh, I, I decided to bring bring this uh, Jeroboam because, uh, you know, this is yeah. named after King of Israel, blah, 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 yeah, blah. Yeah. And you could kind of get into, you could have a little a geek off. Totally. <laughs> totally. Um, and then there, uh, we'll, we'll kind of continue on the champagne thread here. So there, the Vine Pear uh, blog has a, uh, um, a video of sabering bottles without a saber. Yeah, those guys do a pretty good job. They use a, a knife, a spoon, a uh, pair of scissors. Yeah. I think at one point he breaks out his uh, his iPad. <laughs> they, they saber all these bottles with uh, these different objects. That, the, the bottom line, as long as you have something that has a really um, kind of has enough uh, weight to it and has a nice uh, a nice firm edge. You can pretty much saber any bottle, but you know I'm not a big fan of sabering because it looks like they're wasting some wine when they yeah when they do I, that. you know <laughs> if you know I believe in the save the guys the movie of the or the video of the people that actually saber there is no loss of wine 
Yes. They somehow managed to do that, but, and I believe so. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but, um, and don't miss Christmas Yoda in that film. Yes. <laughs> Good call. I got the star Wars tie in right there. Um, <laughs> maybe have you seen the movie yet? Phil? I have seen the movie. Oh my God. I knew it. I, I knew it. I have a 13 year old son and we went on, <laughs> we went on opening night. That is awesome. Man. And I highly recommend the movie. It was fantastic. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it was, no, it was it, it, I'm a Star Wars fan. It fulfilled my fandom. It was great. Um, speaking of movies, there is a great um, – I haven't watched this whole thing. I literally watched like two minutes of it so far. I can tell you it's awesome. There's a 360-degree view of the Champagne region of France. Um, some of oh. it looks like it was taken by either a helicopter or drone. And you can – it's interactive, so you can move it around. Um, it's really cool. Okay, I'll uh, I'll make sure we link that up because it's, uh, it's a it's it's really uh, I don't you know for me of when I think of this region, it's it looks like what I think it should look like. Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. That but is a cool, it, cool film. Yeah, it's kind of, it's just kind of if you're if you're a wine geek, you'll this is cool and it'll make you want to go like hang out there. Yeah, you'll probably like. Yeah, how can I get over there? Yeah. I mean, Especially you, the one, the part where you they show you going through the cellars. Yeah, I haven't. Seen, that. That's that's really cool. That but it's very much. I mean, I mean, what an awesome trip, right? You just go hang out and drink champagne. Like that, that's that's got to suck. Right? <laughs> no, that wouldn't be too not, bad. Not at all. That and there's these French bad. estates that look like you know stuff you see in history books of like French architecture. I don't know. I I think it's very cool. Well, uh, you got any wines to recommend, Bill? Um, uh, what you been drinking lately, man? I tell you, I um, I took a little hiatus. I, I think I told you this the other day. My yeah. wife, uh, she did one of those health kicks, and uh, in support of her, I had to uh, abstain for eleven days <laughs> in the household. Can be can be hurtful. <laughs> it's, it's a like the wrong time of the year to do yeah, this honey. it's not a good time of year <laughs> it's hard but uh i'm back i'm back off the wagon or on the wagon or whatever you call so i've had some good wines lately and uh what have you had uh, uh I mean, nope. we had some dynamite wines on friday but we'll tease that for a future podcast oh yeah um, yeah that'll so, be coming out soon you know they were very um we had some we went to a um a world-class producer and sampled some of their wares in the Dry Creek Valley, and it was uh, great. Uh, we're getting yeah. ready to do the run-up to ZAP, to the Zinfandel Advocates and Producers. 25th? 25th, man, 25. That's going to be uh, that's a big deal. Big celebration. So um, anyway, stay tuned for that. That will be coming out soon. And then um, uh, as far as – you know, we had a Pinot recently that I had purchased that was a really good value, and I cannot remember the name of it. Um, it might have been when it was from Mendocino, it was from Anderson Valley and I, I'll be darned if I, I don't have it in front of me and I cannot remember it, but it was really, I want to say it was a little right around 20, maybe it was like between, I'll say 16 and 20. Um, but it drank like a wine that was sort of double that price point. Okay. Well, I got a Pinot recommendation for you and all the fans. Excellent. Let's hear it. It's, uh, Kalinda is the name of it, K-A-L-I-N-D-A. 
It's from New Zealand. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Marlboro, New Zealand. Oh, it's okay. 2013. Um, I think that's the North Island. And where did you where did you uh, purchase this? You purchase online or? No, this was actually um, you know actually I went I for uh, my first time I went to the new K and L uh, location. Have you been there? I have not. Man, the best thing about that store is well okay I'll start with the worst thing. The worst thing about the store is it was the first time I went in, so I had no idea where I was or what I was doing. So it wasn't like I could go in and just get what I wanted and then leave because yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's much larger and it's it's organized, but you got to walk all around and check everything out, you know. So yeah. I was in there for like an hour and um, and I was going through it pretty quickly. These are the, the best- stores. These are the stores you used to accompany your parents in as a kid. And it was like out. It was like a tor. It was like torture hour. Yes. Like, why are we here? Why are you? This, you're looking at bottles. Honestly. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. I mean, we said that. I'm just like, so and I could spend two hours in that store, and it would be like oh, half an hour. Well, next time I go, I'll uh, I'll spend a little bit more time. But you do have to set aside some time. The best part about the store, I mean, aside from the great selection, is they got. A huge parking lot. And if you've been to the old location, you know that that was always a sore point. <laughs> so they got a great – it's right next to the freeway, so they've got all this parking. So I don't see how they could even use all that parking, but it's pretty cool and very rare for San Francisco, yes, South yes. Market. Yeah, rare indeed. <laughs> Good luck. So um, this wine is actually brought in by um, – it's uh, brought in by um, – it's a private label wine that they've done so it's KNL's uh, done yeah KNL has done it yeah Interesting. and I'm uh, not sure I think uh, Greg I'm not I shouldn't say because I, I actually I just tried it I haven't read anything on it but I can tell you it's a fantastic bottle it's um, typical uh, Pinot um, uh, light light on the wood um, really bright red fruit um, cherries and I, I just I was Super surprised how good it was. I was like, I just picked it up on a lark. It's in a screw cap. No surprise there. And it's $14. Wow. So, I mean, your wife would love this. Sounds great. <laughs> so you should, I'll be, I'll be trekking over there this week. You bet. You better go get some of that. Yep. I'll be trekking and, over there this week. And then for you. Yes. Uh, a big boy. Um, huh. There's the uh, Clo de los Siete. Which is uh, an Argentinian, uh, Argent, uh, a red blend from Argentina. Uh, the vintage is 2012. I've had this guy's wines before. Uh, this is made by rock star winemaker uh, Michel Royan, mm. and uh, he he collaborates with um, seven different French partners. They've got five different wineries in Argentina, and this wine uh, I got this also when I was there at KNL. I think it was like 17 or 18 bucks. It's uh, it's dynamite. It's real opaque in the glass. It's 57 percent Malbec, eighteen percent Merlot, fourteen percent Cabernet, nine percent Syrah, and two per two percent uh, Petit Verdot. So it's kind of like a New World Bordeaux blend, I guess you could say. Um, it's black in the glass. Um, you get notes of um, uh, oak and black fruit and currants. Uh, steak wine, man. <laughs> it's just yeah, gonna call it the like steak it. wine, but it's kind of um, 
it's uh, God, how do you say this in a good way? It's New World style, so it's very the tannins are really round, so it's not super aggressive. It's in your mouth. It's just it's so smooth, and uh, it just it tastes like more. <laughs> it tastes like more when you're drinking it. Pretty simple label. Dude knows how to make his wine. Um, it's something you could put on the table with, especially people that like red wines, and everyone will appreciate it. Really, really well made wine. That's what I got for red wines. That's what I got for wines in general. I picked up some um, some uh, some good Chardonnays that uh, hopefully I can share with you and your wife when we get together. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. So that's uh, that's the story, man. I've been uh, I haven't been drinking much wine, but I've been buying a lot of wine. Well, I'll, you know that's a good. It's good too. I'm I'm stocking up for uh, what do they say I'm, I'm stocking up for the for the springtime or or whatever. Hey, I just uh, saw a really cool video on port. I'm going to send that to you. Okay. And uh, maybe we could uh, maybe we could do. do uh, I was thinking we could do a podcast on port. On port, that sounds good. Yeah, tis the tis the season. Tis the season, indeed. indeed. All right, Bill. All right, Al. Anything else? I um, uh, yes. Um, where to find us? Uh, yeah. You can always email us at info at vino101.net. You can check us out on our website, vino101.net. Um, like us on Facebook. We've got a Facebook page. And very active on the Twitters, thanks to Al. So um, twitter.com slash vino101net. And uh, have a great holiday, everybody. Cheers to that. All right. All right, Bill. Bye. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.